0: She discharged the sort of burden that she had. Um, I I think it is something prophetic for us as a church. And and I think that what she's going to share is going to be a great, great blessing to us. But I don't think it's just the words that she says, it's who she is. And I think it's the journey that she's been on over the last 12 months or so, which I have felt, if I'm honest, is so impressive. Her following Jesus, taking steps of obedience... Going his way. So I believe that there really is an impartation for us here this evening. And uh, I just want to encourage you, come with open hearts, open minds for what God wants to say to you um, through uh, what Lou shares. So why don't we give Lou the biggest round of applause as she comes. <laughs> oh, it's How's everyone tonight? All right? Yeah. it's Nice to be up here. Um, my name's Lou, I've been part of this family at King's for about 14 years now. Um, I am really excited to be able to have the opportunity to talk about something I feel God is um, professedly calling us into as a church, as Paul said. Um, I'm also very passionate about this topic too, so, um, and that's faith-filled obedience. Um, shall we pray first of all? That would be good. Thank you God uh, for your faithfulness and your love. I thank you that you are so here tonight. And Holy Spirit, you are so alive. And I just pray that you'll open our hearts tonight to hear your word and just receive it. Amen. Amen. Now, one of the verses God highlighted to me about obedience is John 14, verse 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and I will come to them and make a home with them. So the word obedience may already have some of you here tensing up. It's a word which can often offend. It's a word which our society doesn't tend to value, if I'm honest. Um, And it's also a word which can trigger rebellion sometimes. As being rebellious is seen as cool, isn't it? You know, picture this. We've got a leather jacket, motorbike, carefree attitude, doing what we want to do, when we want to do it, and not having anyone else tell us otherwise. Um, I thought I'd go for someone who makes me feel younger than I actually feel at this season in life. So here's Harry Styles for you. Um, Whereas actually, obedience should be a hallmark for the Christian life, shouldn't it? Um, Not that you can't have a leather jacket or a motorbike. Um, The fact that those of us that follow Jesus are prepared to um, obey someone that you can't see or touch should amaze the world. Um, And there are many men and women in the Bible who are obedient to God, even when it seemed impossible in the eyes of the world. Noah's one of them. He built an ark in the desert um, with no signs of rain. Sarah, the old age pensioner who trusted God for a baby boy. And Moses, who against all odds, led the biggest exodus from slavery in all of history. Now, these men and women did things that didn't make sense to others around them. They were even singled out, weren't they, and rejected from society at times. You know, maybe that's what can make obedience so difficult sometimes, standing up against the views of the world when God has a different story. And if we're honest, obedience doesn't come naturally, does it? I mean, I've got a son, uh, Caleb, who's almost two. He doesn't need to be taught how to be disobedient that seems to come very naturally. I'll say, Caleb, can you come here, please? And you have never seen a toddler run so fast in the opposite direction. Now, when my children don't obey, when they don't do what I've asked of them, they don't yet know that I know best. They don't yet understand that I love them, and I, what I'm asking them to do is for their own good. You know, often, when we want someone to obey, we offer rewards, don't we, or we bring consequence. Now, on the flip side, we've all been expected to be obedient at some point. And you were told to do something, and you did it. But did you do it out of fear of sanction, or because you were tempted with a fancy reward? Now, as a child, I would have definitely done it because there was worth being obe- something worth being obedient for, or because I was fearful of what, um, didn't, what would happen if I didn't obey straight away, especially at school. You know, but what we see in the Bible is is really different, isn't it? Their obedience wasn't based on rewards or sanction, but on their understanding of the character of God, the goodness of His blessings, His glory, and His um, sovereignty. Now, my own testimony over the past year has been just that. At the start of the year, Aled and I um, wanted, we felt God wanted to lay down a well-paid, respectable career in order to have more time to raise our own children, and most importantly, for me to grow in Him. Now, it would have meant a big drop in salary, and we really needed to trust Him. And even though it would go against all that society would say we needed, money, success, and progression, you know, God called me into something that enabled me for Him to get my attention, to grow passionately with Him, and to not be distracted from the riches of this world. And this step of obedience has brought incredible blessings into my life, and I know that others around me as well. Now, I, from that step of obedience, I now have a greater understanding of his love for me and his character. Now, as we look at Jesus, we see that he was obedient to God, his Father. Let's remind ourselves, like God sent his son, like he sent his son to die a gruesome death, like death on a cross. And he did this to enable us to be reunited with God, didn't he? Having turned away from God in disobedience, he died for our sins, for my sins and for yours. And he's done that for past, present and the future. Isn't that really amazing? I find that really amazing. Um, Now Jesus honoured God's authority through complete obedience. And he was able to do that because he knew God. And he knew of his love for him. Now, in John 14, verse 33, Jesus says, But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love him. Sorry, I love the Father. Now, for Jesus, there was a clear link between loving God and obeying him. There was no question. He says, But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Now, Jesus also says, just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Now, wouldn't you love to be so convinced of God's love for you and know him and trust him that it's easy for you to say yes to anything that he's asking of you, no matter how radical or scary. Now, I'm still finding that far from easy. However, what I do know is that the closer I come to God, the more he reveals his character to me, And therefore, the more in love with him I become. You know, it's really important that we grasp that we don't obey in order to receive love, do we? We are love first, and out of that love, we willingly obey. It's really important to grasp that. So we have love and obedience, and the substance of that obedience is what the Bible calls faith. Now, if God is calling us to live lives that are radically different to those of society in order to trust him for the impossible and hold firm in the struggles. We need faith, don't we? We need that faith. Now, Hebrews defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now, the ma- message version says this, and I love this, listen. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. Now, there are two things here that I love. Our stepping out in obedience sets us apart from the crowd, okay? Now, your acts of faith and obedience are different to the world. They should be different to the world. You do things not from your own ambition or the authority from others, but because the one who created you, the one who sustains you and provides for you, is leading you that way and you stand out. And the other thing that I see here is that faith is an act. An act must be carried out. And James 2 tells us about faith. And it says that faith by itself without works is dead. What good is faith without action, okay? It says it's dead. Now, dead things aren't good to anyone, are they? They clearly don't do anything. They don't step out. They don't take risks. They don't persevere. They don't do anything. So when God calls you to something and you decide to be obedient, the faith you have in God makes you move. It will. It just makes you move. That love and that trust, it spurs you on. Um, you don't think about the what-ifs, you just have faith in your act. When I was 11, my family um, felt led by God to leave the UK and plant a church in Portugal. Now, looking back, I can see how time and time again, God provided in the most incredible ways, just because my parents had stepped out in faithful obedience. Now, homes, schools, jobs, cars, like the lot, it was just all covered by, our, by God. You know, the things that were impossible in the eyes of the world, God saw things differently and he made them possible. Living a life of faith obedience, it's like muscle memory, isn't it? You know, God's faithfulness stirs fresh faith. We look back at what God's done and it helps us to trust him now and in the future. Now, when we felt God calling me out of teaching, we were aware that it would meant us being short of money every month, unless he provided in some way. Now, we've been in similar positions before in the past, so we trusted him even through the uncertainty that we had. And within days of making the decision, we had two amounts of money given to us, one anonymously through the post, which amounted to the exact amount of money that we'd be short of each month. It is an incredible testimony. It still gets to me. God is so fa- faithful, isn't he? He's so faithful. It would be so much easier, though, wouldn't it, if we knew what the future looked like. However, God doesn't often tell us every detail. He only to- tells us the long-term instruction. And this in itself demands a journey of trust. He has the detail... And he will reveal each step as we step out and walk the journey. Now, because, you know, that is often how the world works, isn't it? We plan out every move with a lot of detail. We feel the heavy responsibility on every choice we make towards what long-term goal that we're trying to seek. You know, but this is reliance on our abilities, isn't it? And not on the reliance of God's and his abilities. Noah, Sarah, Moses, just a few that I've mentioned, they were able to act in obedience, not because they knew what was coming, because they didn't. They were able to act in obedience and have faith in the person, because, sorry, have faith because they knew the person that was calling them into what he told them to do. Now, it does sound great, doesn't it? It all sounds great, but obedience is always costly. Okay, it costs to follow Jesus, doesn't it? And we know that God hasn't promised a smooth ride. You know, when my parents were obedient in their calling um, to plant a church, there was much sacrifice in those 20 years. And I experienced much of that, even as a child. Um, you know, and I know it was really tough at times. However, we stood firm in the truth. My parents stood firm in the truth, knowing that because God had called us into it, that he would always be with us. The people from the Bible I've mentioned today they endured much too along the journey that God had called them into. You know, that giving up something for Jesus, whether that might be giving up the country, you know, you know, the comforts, you know, the family, you know, and the comforts I mention again because that is a big one for us, isn't it? I feel like our comforts. You know, no sacrifice is small, but the reality is that no sacrifice is big either, is it, compared to what God sacrificed for us. In giving his only son for us. What a massive sacrifice. This is just a little story of a sacrifice I made. It may seem trivial, but it shows how being obedient isn't always comfortable. You know, when I was teaching, I would sometimes have to sacrifice looking efficient at my job in order to be obedient and to show my colleagues um, his love. So one morning, I was at the photocopier with a, a queue full of people, all stressed, waiting to get their resources done. Um, for a smooth ride that day, and if you 're a teacher here, you know how stressful that time of the morning can be, and I, I knew that if i didn 't get my, my resource done, I would be the stress mess that the others would also in. But that particular morning, I felt Holy Spirit so strongly just prompt me and say, "Show them my love and put them first and I, My first thought wasn 't "Yes, Lord, of course," but I was like, "What about me?" I, I need to get my done too. But if a little reluctantly, I did what God asked. And you're probably thinking that because I was obedient, somehow the Holy Spirit provided me with miraculous copies of my work when I got back to the classroom, um, or that my colleague fell at her knees and invited Jesus into her life right there. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> I'm not saying that this can't happen, nor am I saying that God doesn't bless us when we step out, because he does. He does. However, it's not always the case, is it? And I didn't get my resource and I felt more pressure and the lesson was a struggle. But do you know what? I felt peace and I was blessed because I was obedient and I'd scattered the kingdom, sorry, the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. And I was obedient and that is all we are called to do. Now before Jesus died, he said to God, is there any other way? And he also said to God, not my will but yours. He was obedient to God by going to the cross. Jesus had an eternal perspective. What he would get further down the line would be so worthwhile of the sacrifice. You know, obedience that seems really costly now will be nothing compared to when we get the well-done, good and faithful servant from God when we live in glory with him. Now, It seems that in order to carry out acts of obedience and put yourself in places that are unknown, the important thing is to be certain of the voice that's calling you, isn't it? we have got to be certain of that. So we've got to get to know Jesus. You know, get to know him. Get to know the life of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and how he works in your life. So when they lead you to a place not seen, as it's written here in the verse in Hebrews, you're equipped and you are ready to go. Now Noah... Like I already said, he built a a boat miles away from the sea. Why? Because he knew the voice that was calling him. Now Sarah, it tells us in Hebrews 11, 11, 11, that by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, because because she considered him faithful who had promised. And if you read Hebrews 11, you'll see that it's full of people who had faith in the impossible, the unlikely, or the radical. Moses. Now, God commanded Moses to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. And the Bible tells us that Moses did as the Lord commanded. And it also tells us on Moses' death in Deuteronomy. There has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. It seems that faith and obedience equals closeness to God, doesn't it? Um, And just as God was to Moses, he knew him face to face. Now, I don't know about you, but I just want to be like that. I want to be ready to act in faith-filled obedience to where God wants me to be and go. I want to know him, and I want him to know me. Because when you know that God knows you, which is the most important thing, by the way, he is able to ignite your gifts and do great things through you. Now, with all that in mind, let's just remind ourselves about the God who commands these things of us. Now, at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1 verse 1, it tells us that God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, He created you and he created me. Now, if he created us, he knows enough about our wiring and our gifting and knows enough about who, who we are to to know what to ask of us, doesn't he? Now, in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, it says that God is patient, not slow in keeping his promise. If we aren't obedient straight away, he isn't a God who gives up on us. He is fully invested in us. He takes time to know and understand us. Now, the book of James it tells us that God is unchanging. What he says he is, he is. He remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Psalms 18, verse 30, God tells us, um, it tells us that God's ways are perfect. There are no mistakes made. He doesn't make mistakes. He is perfect. Now, Psalms 116, verse 5, tells us that God is compassionate. He understands the pains and the struggles of life. Jesus walked this life, remember? Psalm 50, verse 6 says that God is a God of justice. He has a concern for you, and he has a respect for people. Now, ultimately, God is love. He loves you, and he loves me. And all that the Bible tells us what love is, he is. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7 and 8, that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, And it never ends, okay? God's love never ends. Now, because of this love that came first, we can be obedient in this, you know, knowing this truth, can't we? That's why I feel like I'm spurred on to be obedient and just knowing that who God is. Now, to equip us with courage and the armor to run into these obedience journeys, I want to also remind you of God's promises to us. And these have really helped me obey him when it's been really tough. I believe there are like 7,000 of them in the Bible. Um, Don't worry, I'm not going to read them all. (laughs) Now, in Joshua, God promises that He is with us wherever we go. In Exodus, God promises that He will fight for you. In Isaiah, He promises that He will give you strength when we are weary. He also promises to give you peace. In James, He promises to give you wisdom. We all need that, don't we? And in Deuteronomy, he promises to never leave you nor forsake you. In um, in Philippians, he promises to meet all of our needs. In Psalms, he promises that if you commit your ways to him, he will give you the desires of your heart. In Joshua, it says that if we delight in him, then look at what riches that we have waiting for us. And in sorry, that was Joshua and in Isaiah God says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not do not be dismayed, for I am your God. And he is with you, okay, and he will break down walls to make a path for you if he's called you into something. And in Joshua twenty one, verse forty five it says, Not one word of all of the good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel has failed. All of them, okay, all of them have come to pass. is what it says in his words. And this is true for us too. Every good promise that God has made to you and to me will come to pass. It's what he's promised us. Not one word will fail. Now, just, I don't know if the band can come up now so we can sort of finish off with just responding, but before we do that, how can we apply this to our lives? Okay, how can we apply it to our lives? I feel like it's about the position of our hearts. You know, the first thing is that in John 10, verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Okay? So we need to give space to listen to him. We must give space to listen to him. I don't know, perhaps you're here and you feel like you don't recognize his voice yet. Maybe that's you. And there's two things that I say here is the more you get to know Jesus, you will learn to hear him. Okay, so don't worry. And the second thing is that God has already told us what we need to do, is to become more mature in Christ. The key things here are reading his words, getting to know him, and partnering with the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And God doesn't ask us to do anything on our own. He invites us to partner with him. In Ephesians 5, we're told to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we heard tonight. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit, and not just on encounter nights. You know, this, this, the most important thing is being expectant for Holy Spirit to move on a daily basis. That's what something that has just challenged me, is that actually, am I waking up and saying, and being expectant of Holy Spirit to move? That's a really good place to start. Because when you're chatting to someone in the supermarket in a queue, you can be obedient. You know, you're showing God's love. When you're loving someone in your family or friends, when you're struggling to be able to love them, you're being obedient because God calls you to love and you've made that choice to love them. You know, also, when people want to know Jesus, the first thing they do, it probably isn't to open their Bible, it's to look at you and it's to look at me. You know, this isn't a pressure to perform in front of people, it's the highest honor of representing and reflecting Jesus to those around us, isn't it? It's the highest honor to be able to do that. You know, to me, my children are watching, okay? They're looking. And if my husband and I, as parents, aren't stepping out in faith-filled obedience, they won't know what faith is, and they certainly won't know who God is. We've got to show them that in our journey. You know, in seeing my parents' faith has stirred something up in me that I am so living in today. So whether it's your friends or your colleagues or your neighbours or your family, people around you, they will be influenced by your obedience to God. Whether you think they are or not, they will be being influenced. And finally, just to challenge ourselves, like just as you are influencing others, ask yourself, who are you being influenced by? That's what I ask myself on a daily basis, who, am, who, am I, who have I got around me that I can be influenced, that can influence me? You know, put yourself in positions where you're able to spectate God, someone's radical faith in God and get caught up in that movement. So let's respond to Jesus, shall we, and before we just worship Him, respond to Holy Spirit. So if you're here and you know that God has commanded you to be obedient in a specific area, or you want to recommit yourself to a lifestyle of obedience, then I'd love it if you could stand with me now. Don't worry about anyone else around you. Just close your eyes. If you could just stand with me and open your arms to Him, because that's all we need to care about tonight. Holy Spirit is the only one that you're you know, here for. If you want to just recommit your life of obedience to Him, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are alive and active in us. I thank you that, Jesus, that you are obedient to your Father. We want to follow this example, Lord, and live in full obedience to what you're asking us to do in extending your kingdom. This is so vital and so important. I thank you that you love us and you are so for us. We are open to hearing from you. Speak to us now, Holy Spirit, and just tell us what you want us to do. We want to recommit ourselves and say that we love you with our yes, and we love you with our obedience. We love you, Father. Just spend time now in his presence and just speak to him and listen. Listen to what he's talking to you about. What area is he speaking to you about? Where do you need to recommit yourself to say, no, I'm not going to listen to this world I'm not going to just go with culture and society. I'm going to be radical in my faith and my obedience and do what is unexpected. Yes, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.